Hi, everybody. I'm Rogers Healy, the host of Rogers That, a podcast dedicated to selling without selling out. And today I have one of my best friends. I have a brother from another mother. I have a partner that has been a part of my life for almost a decade, someone that is my ride or die in the world of finance and mortgage, but more importantly, somebody that I align with on all the important levels, including how to sell without being a sellout. I have my guest, my pal, the one and only Brian McCauley. Brian, thanks for coming today. What's up, buddy? Thank you for that really strong intro. Appreciate it. Was it an intro or an intro? Intro. You're welcome for the intro. <laughs> yes. Um, so no, Brian and I, we, we met, uh, like I said, about 10 years ago through just a random happenstance. And he's been somebody I've looked up to and have admired uh, all across the board from the way that he leads his business, the way that he leads his life, and also the way that he uh, helps lead his family. And so, Brian, we're going to talk today about you, your background, your successes, maybe a little bit of failure, some stuff you learned along the way, but um, with the theme of, you know, consistently doing the right thing and knowing that even though you get older, you make money, you find success, your reason stays consistent with the reason you got into it. So, um, by way of introduction, why don't you let us all know a little bit about yourself, your background, and what got you here? Yeah, man. Uh, first and foremost, appreciate the invite. Love the podcast setup. Looks great. Name is awesome. Appreciate you having me on. Uh, for those that are watching, you know, Rogers is a leader in the space. He's invited me on. Talk a little bit about myself. Um, mortgage business, Dallas Mortgage Man. Go follow me if you don't. I've uh, been doing this 16 years. Started um, February 7th, 2005. Literally mm. finished college, came home. Parents are like, you're not going to sleep on the couch and go party, go find something to do. Um, strangely enough, the first option that ever came up at a recruiting firm was a mortgage outside sales guy. No idea what it was. I'm like, cool. Uh, they paid me 500 bucks every Friday and 10% commissions. And I'm like, I'm in. I'll make some cold calls. Let's get some peer money, figure all this out. What did you study in college? Finance. Okay. Finance. Right. So I was always a numbers guy. I, the biggest part about this business I like the most is the relationship piece and the problem solving piece. So when you're 23, you don't know anything. You just try to, you know, shoehorn it along to make sure that you're getting by, not getting fired and figuring it out. And so uh, luckily at that time, had a couple good guys that were in the business, kind of took me under their wing. Um, it was the subprime days. So you didn't have to have the biggest finance brain to make a deal work. Uh, but we were able to make deals work and kind of chug along. And after the first year or two, I kind of figured out, I like this industry. I like what it's about. It's about the people. It's about the problem solving and the relationships. And so slowly but surely, man, just work my way up the mountain. And 15 years later, here you are with the, the TMT, the, the money team. That's correct. Um, which Floyd Mayweather, if you're watching yes. copyright infringement, pal, back off. This yes. is the real TMT. Or let's set up a boxing match either way, and we can whoever wins can gets to keep it either way. A match between you and Brian, because I will get my <laughs> ass handed to me. Uh, but, but Brian, I, I think that you epitomize a lot of things, and, and I think, again, being a, a successful business owner and leader, you have to um, kind of subscribe to the cliches of life, uh, the routine, mm -hmm. the grind, uh, the perseverance, and, and stuff like that. So maybe, maybe tell us about what got you to that headspace where, you know, someone like me, I was a perpetual, perpetual nothing until, mm -hmm. you know, I got into real estate and realized I had to actually commit and grind. But what does that look like for you? How did you get to that headspace? Oh, that's a good, that's a good question for this podcast. So believe it or not, I think most people look at me now and think, man, that guy's disciplined. He's up early. Uh, you know, he's doing everything What's right. What's early? 5 a.m. 
right? So getting to work around 5 a.m. or so. I wasn't always like that. I wasn't like that in school. I was a little bit of a class clown. You guys know I have ADD. So I kind of focused on the subjects that I thought would benefit me. So like economics and math, I did great. Aquatic science, I skipped school. So I had to find my place. Um, Even when I was young and got into the industry, I didn't have a path. I didn't know what to do. Uh, there wasn't a whole lot of people leading me on how to be a good dude or how to, you know, lead a business the right way. And so between the ages of 23 and 28, I just kind of like fumbled my way and really screwed up off a lot of pain. And I think one of the things that helped me turn the corner as a person, which ultimately helped me turn the corner of businessman is probably a relationship breakup. It, it kind of broke me down as how not to treat people and live cue the music cue the music and so that pain ultimately led me back to the lord to have a stronger walk with him uh that led me to become a better person and a lot of those biblical practices kind of lead you into a good businessman as well so around that 28 to 29 range after a couple hardships shook me up um, straighten my path and then just continue to build on that. Isn't that funny how that happens? I tell people I, I went through a life change that was completely avoidable, mind you. And it was the common thread between all these failure, failed relationships and business ventures was me. And I'm so grateful that it happened because it literally corrected my path. Yep. And I think that people that are in posi- positions like you and me are grateful for, you know, that fork in the road that you could obviously, you could prove to yourself that you went the right way after and that made you the man you are today. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so talk to me about routine. I think that, you know, um, the world needs cliches right now more than ever. And the world needs, you know, people to be very black and white, very intentional, uh, whether it's time blocking or mm-hmm. doing old school stuff, where it leads me to what I was going to say is that the old school stuff is old school for a reason, and that's because it worked. Right. And in the world of sales, how quickly did it click with you that, oh my gosh, waking up at five o'clock, writing a thank you note, looking someone in the eyes, at what point did that kind of just click with you and resonate where it gave you a different perspective? Well, I think the first thing it does, it clicks internally. It feels good to be up early. Uh, ahead of the world and making progress. So I always felt like I got a jump start on the day, right? So for me as a competitor, uh, personally and professionally, if I can get an edge on my competition, I want it. So one of the biggest things is, hey, everybody controls their alarm clock. So you hear this all the time, whether it be motivations, books, whatever, people need to wake up early to get ahead of the day. So it starts there. And I think once you get up routinely and you see that you're ahead of the curve, you're making more progress, you're doing things by 7, 738 when the you know regular world's getting going it feels good and then you start to have tastes of evidence of success and you build on that so that's the small win for me is getting up getting ahead of everybody so by the time they're getting up i've already made two hours of progress and then i mentally add up if i do that two or three times a week that's usually an extra day of the week that i've got in the competition take that in the week take that in the month you add it all up it's about an extra month a year that I get on everyone. You know, it's kind of reminds me of a campaign by a restaurant that you and I have frequented multiple times called Taco Bell. Yes. Fourth Meal. Yes. If you remember when they yes. had that campaign, I was like, you know what? Fourth Meal was a brilliant campaign for mm-hmm. fat frat guys like me because 10 o'clock at night comes, you're like, it's not time for bed. I need my fourth meal. But what you just did is you created the eighth day. Correct. And I love that. And I think that also as you get older and as you progress and as you find more success, you long for the time that you have complete control over. Mm-hmm. And, and for me in the morning, even with the newborn and dogs, a wife and all that, if I can get up and get my day started and do the stuff that I have complete control over right when I wake up, mm. it literally changes my entire day, entire day. Yep. And, and I think that's the time that you can kind of own where we work in a, a position where we have to be kind of reactive 
have to be available. You never know what the day is going to bring. But if you have the workout, the, the quiet time, some of the other stuff knocked out, you kind of can face it with a different, uh, you know, a different approach. Yeah, I agree. I think it starts there. Anytime you can give yourself extra time to do more stuff and positive stuff, I mean, it's only going to benefit you. And so even the people that, you know, have helped us in our lives, personally, professional, spiritually, you know, whatever it is, you follow those people. Most of those people get up early. Most of those people get up and get at it quickly because they understand that extra time has been beneficial to them. So it's been something I've stuck to for a while. Uh, it's worked out so far, and I'm going to continue to do it that way. Okay, let's talk about networking. Um, what, what's your what was your kind of initial thought about networking and lead generating, and how has that evolved to where you're doing it now? Maybe with a different kind of intentionality, with maybe the same objectives. Yeah, I mean, I think networking, especially in the beginning of your career, you know, my model's always been. There's a lot of people out there who are good at it. You need to just copy it and make it your own. Most people are out there all the time. So one of the things I think about networking is just top of mind, right? Who's the person that's always out there shaking hands, making phone calls, social here and there? So the networking approach is just don't stop. You never know who you're going to meet. You never know that one relationship is going to change your, your life. So I think people need to understand it's just a game. And the game is, you know, how many people can I connect with daily, weekly, and monthly? And over a long period of time, you build up this huge amount of people that you're connected with. And slowly but surely, you will build personal and professional relationship off of that. And again, the more you have success with those people, the more relationships that you get, and the more you have success off of that, you will continue to realize that is the way to do it. Do you remember the first time someone questioned question your sincerity if they have i remember for me like when i just would hear this call as many people as you can and i was doing it as roger's the nice guy and then someone's like i know you really don't want to be friends with me i was like what there's such a so i definitely don't remember the first time i know people have done it a lot i think they have that feeling one because i talk fast so it feels salesy yeah uh, but they just don't understand i'm just wired like my mom and my dad you have your own speed (laughs) most people just listen slow yeah that's the issue yeah um yeah i don't remember a singular event i've had people say that plenty of times um, but that's because they don't know us and they don't know our intention. What was the first time you had a moment you're like, okay, I actually can make this a career and I can, I can make big money and I can do this the right way? I think what gave me the aha moment was probably year one or two. There were, again, there were some older guys you know, uh, who had been in the business for a while. They were helping me, and you start putting up numbers every single month, and I was beating most of the guys that were my age or in the industry for the same amount of time. And they said to me, hey, you know, you're pretty good at this. You should continue to do it, continue to build. And so it was actually more other people telling me like, hey, you've got a pretty good jump shot. Stick to it. I didn't have a standard, but having other people pay attention to me and give me the, you're on the right path was the momentum builder for me where I started to do it. And then after that, you know, once you kind of pick up your own sword and you figure it out after the fact and companies start calling you and realtors start saying, hey, you're pretty good at this, then you start to recognize from self. But most of it was from the outside world first. Hmm. How about the market unpredictability? You and I got into real estate around the same time. Mm-hmm. And I know I started RHA in 06, 05, 06. And I was like, this is fantastic. And then right. two years later, the world kind of changed and I wish I would have had my mental maturity to go and face it back then. But for you, you know, not that it's like this because we live in Texas, but what's that done to you and how have you stayed focused back to the routine, but also from being a leader perspective? Uh, I mean, tough times build you, you know, my favorite saying of all time is tough times don't last tough people do. Yeah. And I think people that go through tough times, they build that internal strength. And so when it comes from a market standpoint, I always think about, you know, whatever happens, 
the way you respond or the way you react is the most important piece. The other piece is during like a market that fluctuates a whole lot is you can't really control that. Controlling the controllables, which is the 5 a.m.s, the attitudes, the phone calls, the handwritten cards. For me, it's, hey, if I'm doing everything I truly can 100%, I'm cool with whatever happens. But whether the market's great or terrible, if I'm not doing everything that I'm supposed to be doing and I can, that's on me. So my attitude is, regardless of the market up and down, I want to be 110% every day and let, let it be what it is. I mean, do you have to trick yourself a little bit to do that? Um, trick myself. Like just to put things in perspective yeah, 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 right yeah. now, mortgage rates now, what they were two months ago are effectively double. Correct. Right. Which means you got to make hay when things are different kind of great. But right now you're still putting in the 15 yep. hour days, waking up before the roosters, mm-hmm. getting after it. But I mean, has, has it taken a little mental toll on you? You still feel like this is where you become a legend? No, I think it's just, I think of business like sports. It's competition. Good with the good, bad with the bad. Not all days are going to be great. It's just every day can I be great. Are there some days that are better than the other ones? Of course. Of course, there are some days where I pop up at 4.30 and I'm ready. And some days at 7, I'm like, I don't feel like making these calls, blah, 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 because I'm human. But I have to do my best to try to be um, objective and follow a plan versus follow my emotion. And when I got to that spot in my career, it worked out better for me. But I also think that comes with having like good friends, good partners, and good company that you keep who's not only been there uh, in that space as well, but they will put their arms around you and help kind of push and pull you through those times. How do you find those friends? Networking, having the right conversations. I mean, you know, people that are usually good people hang with good people. Yeah. And I think you develop those skills and develop that group by getting to know more like-minded people in those areas. It's kind of like saying, you know, when you when you're you're in high school or junior high, the dudes that skip class hang out with the dudes that skip class. Yeah. The dudes that are straight A's, they're studying with dudes that are straight A's. So conceptually, it's the same thing in life and in the business. But I think the more you find those people, if that's really who you want to be, you are compelled to be like them and with them so it should be a natural draw to stay like that it's such a simple suggestion but i think it's really really hard for people to actually implement it one of my favorite sermons uh, matt tuggle who's going to be a guest on here uh, in, in a few weeks did a sermon about the people that you need in your life you need a pastor you need a mentor you need a, a partner you need a best friend and then my interpretation is if it's somebody you want to meet ask him on a date not literally on a date but like some of my best friends, I've just found them on social media or online. I've called them. We go to lunch and they're like, what's the motive here? I was like, I literally just want to be your friend because right. I respect your hustle and and your brand. I think that's really important. But guys like you and me, we hear that and we don't have that part of our brain. It's like, well, how, it's like you're going to just go do it. Yep. Right. So this, what's the suggestion for those people that are overthinkers, over analytical ones that, you know, sit on their hands a little bit. And by the time they have an idea, we've already accomplished it. Yeah, uh, that's an excellent question. I would just say sometimes if you get in that spot where you're unsure, just Put yourself on the back end, right? What would make you happy? What would move you? What would bring a smile to your face? And whatever that is, act on that. Give yourself an opportunity to be the person on the other side to move the needle for the person versus waiting to be the person to get moved forward. Hmm. Okay. So, uh, yeah. So, I mean, has that ever gotten you in trouble? Overthinking? Oh, I, it gets, no, no. not Maybe I'm not. I don't know how to think. And I think for me, I've gotten in trouble multiple times, not literally, but just a lot of, oh, I wish you would have thought about that before you did it kind of situations. And, 
you know, I've gotten used to figuring things out along the way, but for you, has it ever, like your momentum and your energy and your speed, has that ever actually caused any kind of conflict? Yeah. So it's, I mean, so I am kind of an overthinker um, <clears throat> in certain spots. In the bad areas, you overthink and it can paralyze you, which is not good. And the good spots where I overthink is I forward think so much in the future about how to create and what people want. It actually gives me an advantage. And so I can try to stay ahead of the curve. As far as the energy stuff, you know, if you're not like me or you, my our presence can be overwhelming. It can be too much for people that are very soft and things of that nature. So I've had to find a way in sales to scale up or down to make sure that, you know, if people knew our intent, it wouldn't be such a big deal. But the first day they feel is the energy. Sometimes it's overwhelming and I have to figure out, even my wife's like, dude, you're too much sometimes. I I'm know. like, thanks for telling me. No. I'll adjust. I get it. And it's, it's stuff with me too. I can't believe, I can't believe. It's amazing me how many people come up to me like, I did not like you at first. I thought you were a douchebag or I'm like, what? And yeah. it's just because... You, you know you know yourself really really well you're comfortable in your own skin and that's intimidated some people that don't have that gift so it's interesting I, I don't necessarily think I've been a chameleon but I you know that's why I love being home I literally love being mm -hmm. home because I can 100% be myself I get to pick and choose the people I'm around and I'm comfortable but one of the some... things that people don't know about you and I on our quiet time is that we're goofy like I think people see me and they're like, this guy's in mortgage all day. Yeah, but like if you were to hang around our house, I mean, we would be goofy like children. And I think that's one of the fun parts about people understanding the completeness of us as men, as individuals here and there. Like when you just put us in a box online or all they hear is sales calls, of course, but there's a lot more to us from husbands and dads and friends and all that. And so it's always, you know, something I wish people could probably get a little bit more exposure on is the fun side of us. Yeah. Uh, especially if you don't actually know you or I, like, you know, you or I are friends, but there's been so many times where I've been in tears or Goofing off or laughing to my wife happy about tears, it. Happy tears, mind you. Right. Yeah. Happy tears, yeah. just fun stuff. No, it reminds me, one of my favorite humans ever, and actually one of my favorite clients, is Dion Sanders. Mm. And I think Dion is an absolute genius marketer. Yep. And I watched a documentary on him a few months back called Primetime. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that stuck with me, other than the fact that he's just a you know incredible athlete, a great man, loves the Lord, had multiple moments in his life that kind of changed his trajectory, as he said, on the field, I was Primetime. And he knew his brand. But then behind the scenes, he was Dion. He was Dion Sanders. And I, saw, I was like, man, that's so smart where he almost has to turn it on. But I think for you and me, we have to turn on the like, you know, in, like laser focused, you know, psycho business mode, which is not necessarily a bad headspace to live in. But I would way rather be goofy and right. shorts and a T-shirt. But that's not, you know, that's not re what real life looks like. Um, okay, so. Back, back to your success, and, and I know you were with Fairway. What, what led you to Fairway? And let's let's give them a little bit of love now because I know they've been a partner to ours for a long time. Yeah. Anything in our industry, regardless, your side, my side, whatever, it's the leadership piece. I'm compelled to good people and good leaders, right? So for me, um, understanding the mortgage business, understanding what I call the street and the way the game and the business is supposed to run is an important piece. There's a lot of problems in my industry <clears throat> all the time. People always say, you know, it's just clunky and people don't answer the phone. There's too many problems. And so having to figure that out is one thing, having to connect yourself with a company that gets it. Um, you know, I tell everybody, it's kind of like swimming. You want to swim with the current. If you get with a mortgage company that doesn't get the street, you're constantly swimming against the current, which causes problems for your own business, your clients, your partners and all that. And so Fairway fortunately gets the street, but all of their executive team, they were former sales guys. So you don't have to, you know, they're all former a retired quarterback so a quarterback doesn't have to teach a quarterback how to hold the football or see the field 
it's the same thing. You don't have to teach them or tell them this is how you have to put together a presentation. Here's how you have to talk to your agent. Here's how you have to talk to your client. They got all that. So because Fairway was such good from the leadership piece, got the business, you know, they are now, I guess, the fifth largest in the nation, number one place to work last year, 11,000 employees. They've done an excellent job. And it was just a compelling place for me to connect myself with because it was an easy fit and they fully supported our team. I love it. We're going to get to the cliche advice, not business, cliche advice section. Okay. Uh, we're going to start with the um, most common question. What's the best advice you've ever received? Give it time. Okay, we'll explain. Give what time? Give everything time. I think right now, especially in this world, everything, whether it's relationships or business, is just a quick fix. Everybody wants instant oatmeal. It's just not real. Oh, All the time. I hope that realtors watch this. Instant oatmeal would be Instagram posting, hoping Correct. that your phone's going to blow up. But maybe uh, Brian just planted the literal seed, and he's going to wait for the crops to, to grow, yeah. and then he's going to have homemade oatmeal forever. Steel cut. Yeah. Oatmeal. And I've, but I've never met anybody that has been an overnight success. Every now and then, somebody has a 100-mile-an-hour fastball like that 5%. It happens to for whatever But they throw reason. their arm out. Right. The give-it-time piece is perspective patience there's an excellent book called chop wood carry water and it's just about old school tactics of like just doing the work doing the work doing the work getting it done that piece of advice has been helpful for me because then you don't try to mentally fast track to the destination you enjoy the journey and part of that is the process and part of that process is time yeah that's hard that's really really hard it's Uh, tough uh cliche question number two what inspires you to be the best version of yourself so this goes down two paths, personal and professional. Personal, wife and kid. I want to be able to fully support them and live our own financial terms and not have them have to deal with things financially everybody else has to. Professionally, it is 100% competition. That is it. Everybody out there that didn't give me a chance, that never took my phone call, that counted me out, it's basically, if you've ever seen the Tom Brady documentary where he's crying about getting uh, drafted like 160 whatever pick, blah, 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 and it just built a chip, and that's why he's 50 and has 10 rings or whatever, it's the same thing in yeah. my head. Yeah. So the professional piece there is the competitive piece of like, you didn't believe in me, I'm just going to go ahead and run it up and get one more trophy. Now, there is a nice piece to the professional piece, which is helping as many people as I can making sure families get a better experience all that stuff but the driver fire piece personally for the family professional is i'm just going to win same you know it's, it's good to hear somebody say that because it's that's a very truthful response a lot mm-hmm. of people be like you know what i want to i want to go and change it's like no you want to go and crush your competition you want to prove people wrong sure. and you want to stay there um what, what's your biggest fear um that i make it too much about me yeah I think that's something I still struggle with at 41 is is trying to figure out the balance of paying it forward and helping others without me getting the spotlight. I had a really good coach by the name of Lisa Wells. Shout out to Lisa at the core, the first thing. And one of the things she told me about my energy and spirit, and she says, when you make it not about you, it will change. And so the more I do that, the better. But I still struggle with that piece, which is like I like to say, I threw that touchdown pass, watch my dance, my trophy, I'm turning it from me to we, but it's taking some time. It's hard. I remember my Lisa was a guy named Jerry McNabb. Shout out to Jerry McNabb. And uh, one of the first times I met with him, you were with me. And Mm. it was supposed to be a mentorship that would last one to two months, and it was eight years. And 
Oh. Well, the first things he told me is I had no emotional intelligence, and that was something fun to Google. But then the second thing <laughs> is he literally said, "Don't use the word I." Right. Right. It's ours. It's it's you know we did this. You know our company, et cetera. And I think just that shift over the course of eight years really changed the way that I, I looked at life. Um, okay, so uh, you and I both know that our marks are not going to be made as a real estate guy and a mortgage guy. So looking back in 10 years, 50 years, et cetera, what, what's the next step for you? What do you want to be known for? You know, I think everybody ends up wanting that legacy piece. I find that our industry really has three pillars as you become your own person and brand. You have survival mode, which is early stages, right? How do I survive? How do I make it? Stage two is stuff, okay? I've got some stuff now, a little bit of money. I'm buying a house, car stuff here and there. Stage three is legacy. How many lives can you change? How many people can you pay it forward to? Um, how much different can you change the industry and how can your impact be felt on others? So I think in 10 years, running a mortgage space uh maybe a super producing branch manager or like a chief strategy and sales officer along somebody like you that's just a mega brand in dallas changing the way that people think and do home loans is where i think i'd like to be hmm. and then uh i thought of the other question um you've made you've, you've done very well and you've continued to remain humble but what, what's your advice to people that get tempted by the forbidden fruit and they have a hundred mile per hour fastball they don't necessarily listen to leaders and they kind of get sucked in. How do we keep them from being a sellout? Uh, well, good question. Let me answer this the appropriate way. So um, to whom much is given, much is required. I think if your heart is there and you know what that means, you understand that you need to be an example and lead by example for those that have, but also for the have-nots. Um, I tell people it's the reason you'll never, ever see me wear a Rolex. I don't have one. Uh, when I'm talking to somebody at the table and I lean across and I've got a big Rolex on my wrist, does that say I care about you and your family or does that say look at me? So I think the what more- What about this $3 band from Amazon? That says you care about your heart rate. It's good. Perfect. <laughs> yes. Okay. Just making sure. Um, it's just one of the things to where people don't need to be just totally engulfed with that stuff. I think it's okay to have stuff. I think it's okay to play. And I think it's okay every now and then to enjoy. But, you know, does that stuff own you or do you own that stuff? And I think how you behave will show the answer to that question. But I think everybody needs a hobby or some kind of escape. How, how do you go and escape from the reality of just working kind of nonstop? Uh, I mean, I'm a golfer. I like golf. Ew. So, I mean, golf is great because it's outside. So being outside is always nice. You know, the other thing about being an overthinker is golf is a mental sport. It is really challenging. So for me, because I like to be challenged mentally, golf constantly reminds me that um, I can never win, but I get better at it. Uh, to get away, also hang out with the family. I'm a lake guy. You know, I've got a lake house. I watch the sunset. Uh, it's peaceful. Um, and then like you, I'm kind of a homebody. If I can be an introvert, get away, turn the phone off, sleep for nine hours, it's solid. It's a great day. Nine hours. That's a 41-year-old talking to you right That's now. That's right. What gets you excited? A full night's sleep. <laughs> right. Nine. Airplane mode with no interruptions. Oh, I get dude. so excited. I got, I got I got on Do Not Disturb all day. Yeah. And it's just, it makes me happy when I look up. I'm like, oh, 19 missed calls, and they were all solicitors. It happens. What's your theme song? Like if I was going to box or just to get up and get going? <laughs> well, box. Good good job bringing up boxing. But yeah, if you're, your walkout song for baseball, but then also like what's the song that's just playing in your head throughout the course of the day? Oh, gosh. I don't know if I have one that plays out through the course of the day. I mean, I think a mo mo motivation song is probably anything Tupac. 
Which one? Really? Um, Keep their heads ringing? No, I think Ambitions is a rider, probably. Oh, wow. So it's just a tough. It's like a Mike Tyson song because it's the thing about, you know, that energy comes boom, from mental boom, energy. Boom, That's right. Boom, That's boom, it. Boom, now, the lyrics, boom. not so much. But the beat and the feeling, the feeling is what gets somebody pumped up. And so um, everybody has to pick their fuel. I think Pac's the greatest. He's mine. All right. You're looking at 22-year-old you. You're a little bit older. you got some uh, some wise uh, hairs on your on your head and on your mm-hmm. beard. What, what do you want to know? What do I want to know? What, do I, what, what would I tell myself? Mm, that. <laughs> that? What would I tell myself? Um, don't sweat the small stuff. Surround yourself with good people. Yeah. Um, and just stay the course. It's really it. Don't go to the club. Don't spend a lot of money on bottles. But if you go to the yeah. club, have fun. Sure. And realize that it's okay to go and spend a little bit too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you don't need to go twice a week. No. Every week for 15 years. Nope. You know, but you can go and then, you know. Sure. As long as you don't have a moral hangover, you can, you can live through it. Yep. Um, what, what about for all of our realtor friends that are uh, tuning in today? What's your suggestion of them? Uh, it's one of the best hidden gem industries in the world. I believe in it. I mean, I, I, I believe in it because I love it so much. I really love, I think, owning a house is the American dream. And so I think people should be fortunate enough to get in your industry. Um, I think for them, the biggest thing is, you know, it's it just gives such an opportunity for somebody to create such an amazing career. Yeah. I would encourage everybody, if they go into it, want to be a hobbyist, that's okay. Um, but I would say most agents, you know, sometimes are hobbyists and they have the idea of it. Don't fall in love with the idea of the end result fall in love with the idea of understanding like this is such a unique awesome career to be a part of um what's great about our industry is it's like going to the gym however much you give to it it will give back to you greatest analogy in the history of real estate sales is what you're about to go and tell us correct keep going so there are very few industries where there is no ceiling meaning you know if you want to go work out seven days a week three hours a day you want to eat 10 chicken breasts. You want to have 15 protein shakes. No one can stop you. You're going to get incredible results because of everything you're pouring into it. Our industries are like that. So that's why I say it's a hidden gem. And so for people not to appreciate and capitalize on the opportunity, um, I think they're short-sighting th- themselves. I think as technology changes, as the industry changes, as the market changes, things are going to get tougher. But it just gives you a blank canvas to play with. And I just want people to understand what a luxury it is to be able to be a lender or an agent. But it's all up to you. Very much kind of like the gym. So I wouldn't take it for granted. I would be thankful and push all in every day. Do the gym analogy about if an agent belongs to one gym and doesn't work out mm. and they go to another gym and they still don't work out, they're not in shape. Correct. One of the other things I found out about our industries is that a lot of times people um, put too much weight on specific companies. They think if they're not doing well in theory at Fairway and they go to Wells Fargo, they're going to have a better career. Well, it's kind of like saying if you're a member at Equinox uh, and you're not in shape, if you go to LA Fitness or you go to 24-Hour Fitness, it's the same thing. At the end of the day, you know, it's really up to you to get in shape. Same thing Which with means the you business. Go to the gym. Correct. Yeah. Right. You can't just be a part of it. Some people get it for the bragging rights. Some people get it because that's their place to go do work. And so people focus again too much on, well, if I jump from one place to the other, brokers this, that, and the other things here and there. Yes, there are pros and cons to all, but it's like an 80-20. I mean, you know, 80% of it's going to be you. Is any broker going to get you up at 5 a.m.? No. Are they going to help you make phone calls on your own? No. Right? But you have to actually go to the gym. You have to actually do the work. And so at the end of the day, if you're committed Regardless of what gym you go to, you're going to get in shape. So make sure and keep the weight on yourself, not necessarily the specific XYZ that you work with or for. 
All right, people want to go and get a loan in the state of Texas. They want to refi. You're their guy. Why do they choose you, and how do they find you? Dallas Mortgage Man, follow me on all handles. I um, think people work with you because they like you and they trust you. Um, I tell everybody it's kind of like a quarterback. You know, everybody wants an expert that's going to win for them, going to help them get in the end zone. Doing this for 16 years, I care a ton about people. I know a ton about the rules. Uh, my biggest component is to help people become homeowners, but, you know, create wealth through it. It's the biggest investment and purchase of your life. You want somebody who's an all-star to do it correctly. We want you to be homeowners. We want you to be smart homeowners and do it the right way. So helping four to 500 families a year, I feel like I've got a good sense of it. Um, and I want you, obviously, to be a great client now and a great client for life. I'm Brian McCauley, and that's how you sell without selling out. Roger's that.